Hello, Norm. How are you, sir? I'm just getting set up. Welcome to Tapstream's Mobile Podcast. We're so excited to have you. Woo! Been waiting all week. Dude, this is supposed to be about China, except I'm fucking enraged about Yup. My Twitter's blowing up right now with everybody jumping on the bandwagon being like, who the hell are these people? I'm literally going to have to call my mother when I hang up with you and tell her to not install that goddamn app because it's probably texting her too. It's texting everybody. I'm going to stab somebody in the face with a cigarette. The question is, is she getting a text from a man or a woman? So, I got a woman, my coworker got a woman, then my female coworker also got a woman. I think they're assuming that everybody is a man and just putting women's names on that shit. I don't know. I don't know. I'm gonna have but to it's... unleash the. T- I'm gonna have to unleash some Tay text on that shit. Yeah. Okay. This is a great start to our podcast. We will get to China, but first let's talk about growth, growth hacking, and being an asshole relative to Yuck. Then let's talk about Tay text, the greatest app to come out in 2015, and then let's talk about China. First, let me do my bit. My name is Max. This is from Mobile Podcast. Capturing is rocket fuel for mobile apps. If you have a mobile app and you want more users and better users, we are the people for you. Norm, tell us about yourself. Hey, what's up? I'm Norm. I uh, work for a company called Sunji Mobile. Uh, most people know us as the makers of a company uh, of a Android app called Go Launcher. We mostly make utility apps for smartphones. Uh, and my team is based out of China, and we're one of the first to go go global and, and make apps that blow up outside of China on the app stores. You're doing well outside of China as well. I've always known you've been huge in China. Are you guys having, like, global penetration? Is it China and America? Where are you seeing yourself do well? It's sort of everywhere, kind of like little spider webs that keep creeping out on us. We don't know how the spider webs start. We don't know where those spiders come from. But it's our job to make sure that those little spiders continue to have spider babies and it continues to grow into new users. That was literally the quote that will go on the front page of this. That was beautiful. Uh, I also have been having a very successful couple of months with Tapstream and wish I could say I knew why or how. As a marketing guy, I feel like that's my job. I have no idea where our recent success is coming from. All these account signups and everything. I mean, it's awesome, obviously, but it's just, like, bitter awesome because you're like, no, I want to know how to do this again. I want a, I want a repeatable formula, you know? You know, I think it's, uh, you know, picks and shovels age right now. And so I think anybody who's got experience, you know, having built picks and shovels uh, for the web or for social, I think, you know, I think you guys are doing a great job of, of building those things, uh, taking what we know and what we've learned from building those picks and shovels for uh, the web and social into mobile. And I think it works. Yeah, it, it is. It is working. And it's interesting you say that because our background, like the DNA of our company is firmly rooted in the web. We're not a bunch of Stanford grads who just finished school the other day and have started a mobile app company. Like we go deep on the web and have brought that to Tapstream. And sometimes that's a curse, honestly. Sometimes we're limited by that. But often it gives us a lot of lessons learned to apply to what we're doing these days. And I'll tell you, Sunji Mobile started off way back in the day. Our first product was a website. That's how we got started. That's how we got funded. We built a website. That's that's literally what we did. And we built the website that everybody in China used. 
And then we used that to grow some partnerships and get some money in the door. And then we started making smartphone apps. And for the record, so our listeners know, Sunji has um, been very, very successful with that. Uh, because you guys went public the other day. Well, not the other day, but I was there. We had a party. Uh, yeah, we did have a party. I kind of remember parts of it, but it was a it was a good night to be able to celebrate um, celebrate with friends and celebrate with the team to just recognize. I think. Uh, the hard work that goes into making an app successful and a great experience for every user. It takes a lot of people and it takes time and it takes a lot of effort. You know, honestly, like the day we hit the button to go from paid apps to a freemium model, you know, everybody was sort of skeptical. But you know what? It worked. It 10xed our user base, user growth and 10xing our user growth looks like it was enough. Uh, so let's briefly dive into what the Go Launcher is. I know, obviously, but maybe not everybody does. Sure. Go Launcher is uh, an app that lets you customize, make Android look and feel the way you want it to. Uh, we started off as one of the first utility apps to launch uh, on the App Store way back in the days of the Android market when there weren't really even 10 million devices yet. Uh, on Android in China. Super early, we hit the button, uh, we put it out there, and the goal was to just give people more control over the home screen of their phone. Over time, we started letting people customize with different features, different themes, and today that's made us a top five developer in the world on Android and has given us the ability to start making utility apps for other platforms. Are you are you dabbling in iOS now? Is that what you're doing? You know, when I look at it, you know, I think iOS and Android are kind of like heading towards the middle. I think Apple has definitely taken some cues from uh, from Android uh, in opening up and starting to really invest in the widgets for iOS and even letting third-party keyboards and other utilities pop into iOS. Uh, and Android is definitely like moving towards the point where people are looking for an answer to what is that Android experience. Because everybody knows what that iPhone experience is. They know what to expect when they plug in, when they plug in that phone, turn on the juice and, and flip the power switch, uh, and then sync that phone for the first time. But I think on Android, users are still... Uh, becoming more and more pleasantly surprised, but I still see that, you know, I think those hacks that made it work on Android before, you know, definitely have to be tweaked over time as I think Android handset manufacturers start to pay more attention to users and what they want from their phones. Yeah, it makes sense to uh, build things for the consumer, and yet that often does seem to get ignored at these upper echelons of sort of the manufacturing or the OEMs or something. There's, there seems to be a disconnect. But I agree, both of those uh, platforms seem to be learning each other's lessons and gravitating towards the middle point, which is uh, sort of personalized, personal, 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 but consistent experience. Yeah, no, and I think even if you look at, you know, what's been some of the most successful categories uh, in Android, those have been the ones that have let Android really creep into those niche markets, those markets where there are users who don't speak English and don't type, 
uh, with QWERTY. They have to work on these hacks because everything comes default with a QWERTY keyboard out of the box. They had to come up with these hacks, you know, and so, you know, that let us make a utility called Go Keyboard. And today, you know, that's my number two app out there around the world and my fastest growing app, period, uh, because those users are looking for a better way to type. Yeah. Okay. So let's let's talk about um, let's talk about China and growth in China. Let's pretend that we're sitting around with some Android developers who've got some very cool new. Maybe it's a utility app. Maybe it's a social app. I'm not sure. We have a couple developers in the room, and they listened to the Kabam talk that happened this week, where the Kabam guy said, "If you're not thinking about China, then you're not thinking at all." If you don't have China in your strategy, then you don't have a strategy. So if I'm a up-and-coming Android developer and I know nothing about the Chinese market, but I know that it's part of my future, what are your what are your first words of wisdom for me? What are you going to tell me that I need to be aware of? If you're going to go into China and do it without someone on the ground who really looks, lives, and breathes it, don't do it because you're never going to do it well. You've really got to live in the culture because it's its own bubble. It's its own universe. It's it's completely different. There is not really a Google Play that works reliably every single time you click the Google Play button. It's not like that in China. There's actually 20, 25 or 26 different app stores, depending on how you look at it, billions of dollars being poured into it, and a ton of places on your on your PC and on your phone to go find apps in China. So it's not that simple. If you're an iOS developer, it's not quite that complicated because it's still the app store, it's still the same interface, and it's still the same thing you have, uh, and it's still a growing user base. But in China, of course iOS is going to work because iPhone costs 700 bucks in China, which is the equivalent wage of, uh, which is the equivalent of about two months' salary for anybody in Beijing or Shanghai, um, and that, you know, that means that the people who have an iPhone Look, they're your, they're the one percent of the one percent in China, and of course they've got money to spend on apps. They're going to spend that money on that, uh, on those, uh, on those premium items that you have, those level ups and those power ups that you have in your app. Uh, on Android, it's not so simple, and I think it's the same story around the world. Android monetizes through ads, and that makes sense. And iOS monetizes through products and and features that people buy just seems to be seems to be relatively universal and i think that behavior is starting up in china um and it's good enough so you don't really have to care or pay attention about you know how much money you might lose because of fragmentation in the ecosystem or because there's a lot of local hacks probably running around you may not make as much as you think but it's definitely going to be profitable for you i mean you're spending money somewhere else to build a product that really costs you a lot less to maintain. Yeah, and we just heard last week, I forget who was writing the article, VentureBeat or something, about the fact that if you combine revenue from all Android stores, including all of the Chinese Android stores, there's technically, apparently now, more revenue flowing into the Android ecosystem than the iOS ecosystem. It's just not exclusively from Google Play. Yeah, but, you know, I think the other way to look at it is when you look at the charts, in China, I think uh, if you look at the top grossing chart in China and you look at the App Store and see who's top grossing in China, I think you'll see that I think it's like at least 40 out of 50 of those titles 
are published by Tencent. And so I think that tells you how hard it is to break into it because if you think you're going to break out past Tencent and be a China phenomenon, uh, you're going to bet that you're going to bet that Tencent can probably cut you off, cut your growth off at the kneecaps. So the only example that I know of off the top of my head of a Western title exceeding, uh, maybe not exceeding, but excelling in China and doing exceptionally well in China is Plants vs. Zombies, which was apparently the, the sequel, the second one. And they, they were aiming for China apparently right from the beginning. Is it, is it, is it common to have Western-built apps do well in China, or is that almost unheard of? I think Plants vs. Zombies is a totally different kind of beast. I mean, that, that Plants vs. Zombies I put in the same merchandising category as Angry Birds, and I think Angry Birds blew it up in China. But they sell T-shirts and they sell T-shirts and stuffed animals, and that's the same thing with Plants vs. Zombies. You see freaking T-shirts, and you see you see people with zombie backpacks and jackets everywhere. So I'm sure they blew it up that way. And I think EA also. Plants vs. Zombies, you know, I think they also found a local partner to help them get successful in China. It wasn't like, you know, some team from PopCap said, you know, hey, we've got this ability to do it. I think they really got a lot of help to make sure that China worked well for them. And that helps when you're part of a much bigger global uh, global brand and phenomenon because that, that puts the negotiating power on your side of the table, not the other side. And then what about Western app stores seeing the Chinese apps? I mean, I think we've all now gone and looked at top grossing and found one of these interesting Chinese RPGs that's near the top. I think we're starting to see more of that. There's a crazy, whatever you guys call it, the, the, the dancing face thing that blew up last week where you're doing the, like, stripper pole with your 3D avatar. Are we going to see a lot more of that coming to the West? Yeah, I think you're going to see a lot more of that. I mean, you look at those uh, those cartoons that we love, you know, that have, like, fake news clips about, you know, Western news stories from Taiwan blowing up on YouTube. That's exactly what we're going to see. Um, and that's global. Everybody wants to have fun with it. And I think everybody can sort of look at it and laugh. My real question long term is just going to be, you know, will those apps have more than 15 minutes of fame? And I really, that's what keeps me up at night is thinking through, how do I really make something that's going to be sustainable? It's not just going to pop for a month or two. And then I got to figure out, you know, what's my next idea. Yeah. And you guys have solved that problem. You've been at this for years now. You have a certainly sustainable um, product and business and suite of products in the market. How do you think about growth at your scale? Do you have massive UA budgets that you're spending every day? You have brilliant organic viral K-factor mechanics built into the apps. What is driving growth for your product? We've got more and more viral mechanics built into the app, and I'd say probably we spend more time and money thinking about viral features for our actual users than we do thinking about you know what's it going to cost? What's it going to cost to get someone to click to go to Google Play and install an app uh, from us from an ad that they just saw? Uh, we're definitely not spending a lot on user acquisition. That's not a big part of our strategy. Uh, and in fact, you know, the growth channels, you know, the viral hooks that we're looking for, we're looking for better invite mechanisms for our friends to be able to share what their home screen looks like. We're looking for different ways for people to share 
different packs and hacks that they're building for themselves because we do put our themes uh, engine, the same themes engine that our team uses to build themes for Go Launcher that is our by far our number one money-making feature out there. We're putting that tool in the hands of people and letting them build their own themes and put those up on Google Play, and that's been driving a lot of our viral growth too because these third parties, you know, that's going to multiply the number of – that's going to multiply – the number of ways that a user has to find out about Go Launcher to begin with is they're going to see and they're going to see this thing that looks and feels and kind of acts like a wallpaper, but it's something more than a wallpaper because it changes the text, it changes the look and feel of your icons. Uh, it does all of those things, and with the with the install of a single app off of Google Play, and we're definitely we're definitely focused on investing in that because we don't. We know that, you know, we're very fortunate to have a great team that loves to think about this and loves to think about our users. But we really know that, you know, it's the community that drives our growth. So I didn't realize this. You give your users the tools to build their own themes, and then they can sell those or give those away or whatever, distribute those through the Android stores? Absolutely. Absolutely. It's like an open developer ecosystem, but consumer facing. Yep. That's right. That's like having an API. That's like the Meerkat API that just got launched, except it's for consumers to build on screen app experiences or interaction experiences. Yeah, look, and we look at it this way. I mean, there's a lot of talented people out there who are like independent designers by day. They might be like a game artist by day, and at night they got to draw something, and so we might as well give them a tool that lets them draw up what they what they want their home screen to look like, and then package it up, uh, and make it easy for them to put it on their own home screen, but also package it up in a way that makes it easy for them to put it up on something like Google Play, so that other users can use it. Yeah. No one wants a bespoke home screen. Uh, holy cow, we've already blasted through 19 minutes. Um, what does, what does, what does the future look like for Sanji? What is, when we do a pod call, a podcast call in a year, and it's 2016, and it's May, what are you going to say happened in the last year? What are you guys focusing on? What does the future look like? Looking at more and more users around the world, giving them a lightweight, simple tool to manage, uh, manage their home screens. Uh, you'll probably see us building a couple more launcher products out there. <coughs> you'll definitely see more utilities from us, and you'll definitely see uh, us figuring out new areas of opportunity. Who knows? You might even see a game or two from us. Oh, you know how I like the games. I know how you love the games, Mac. But we're not going to make a game just for you. We're going to find we're going to make a game for a, a million Macs out, out in the wild there. Is what we're hoping. You should just make a game called Uncle Mac and see what comes out of that. Uh, listen, it's 20 minutes. This is only a 20-minute podcast. Before we go hang up, and we didn't go deep on China at all. We will soon. Uh, but before we hang up today, tell me about Taylor Swift text messages. You know, I think there's a Taylor... It's funny, but you know there definitely seems like it definitely seems like there seems to be a Taylor Swift lyric for every situation. I think people are I think we're looking people are looking for no, new ways to just have 
access to simple templates that let them say send a message quickly or respond a message quickly. And so I think keyboard apps are a perfect place to do that. We definitely are in the next phase of keyboards where the first generation of keyboards we're learning. Now the keyboard now the current generation of keyboards are starting to talk. Uh and so out of that you have opened the door for the phenomenon known as Tay Text. 